Welcome back to the podcast and today the sky is blue after some particularly cold biting days I have come out with my gloves but this time appear to have two right gloves so progress from the previous days um, today we are starting our walk uh, in rough fields which not everybody knows about it's not even somewhere that's necessarily marked on a map but it's an area around Hadfield and Padfield which has had quite a lot of attention shone on it. Um, not to get too much into the politics, but I think it's an area that's started to become um, maybe more appreciated by people who live here. It's next to one of the kind of newer housing estates on the edge of Hadfield. But more importantly, it is pretty much next to where the Peak District National Park boundary line is. Something I guess that many people who live in this area wouldn't even know what it was, what it looked like, or the fact that they're even on the boundary. So with the, with the boundary in mind, I wanted to bring along another guest for today's walk. Someone whose job it is, is to monitor boundaries. Casa Townsend from CPRE, Campaign to Protect Rural England, who have come up with this amazing boundary walk of the Peak District. But today, Casa, we are looking at stage four of your 20-part walk, is it? Stage, there's 20, 20 stages? 20 stages, And we're looking yeah. at the bullet point number three. We're just taking it micro today. We're not going too crazy, because stage four goes from Old Glossop to Greenfield. Yeah. It does, yep, yep. This isn't a stage that I'm very familiar with, so I'm grateful for your local knowledge, Claire, which is fabulous. <laughs> um, I live over in Sheffield, and I grew up in the heart of the Peak District in the Hope Valley, so the centre, really, of the National Park, almost, if I'm allowed to say that. Um, and so coming out to the edges of the National Park is really interesting, really different, and I think that's one of the big appeals of the Boundary Walk since it was devised and launched in 2017. Growing in popularity, I believe, this is what the, the membership of the Facebook group tells me, which grows by about 30 people every month-ish. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, finding less explored areas, not so much the honeypot sites, you might say, which is a great thing, bringing people to different areas, less known walking routes, finding new places. Yeah, it's really, really enjoyable. I think one of the things that I've really noticed that, you know, I would encourage if you are listening and walking in this particular area, we're starting on Padfield Main Road in Ruffields right now. And we're about to go through a very old turnstile where there's a green circle which marks uh, that we're on the boundary. And it even has signs of public footpath exactly through the muddy track that we're walking on. But I found it really interesting as I've kind of explored, as I've researched over the last six months, this idea of this area and what the boundary means. I guess some people don't really kind of know if I step to the left, I'm out the boundary. If I step to the right, I'm in the boundary. It's not the hokey cokey. Do you know what I mean? And I suppose there's almost this transition between the boundaries, something that I'm hoping to speak with a, another couple of artists who've spent the last five years working on this stretch of the boundary for one of their projects. We've got cars reversing and moving all around at the moment. I really want to find out what this group are and whether they're What, doing what the are they up to? Can I go and ask them? Let's go. I'll tell you what, yeah, we're just going to pause our chat. 
Who are you? What have you been up to? Where have you been walking today? No idea. We just follow our leader. Yeah, what? What? Who's right along Longdendale Trail? Along the trail. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Do you? Did you know that this is the boundary of the Peak District? Is it? Really? I didn't know that. No. Oh, see, look. Cassa is from the CPRE and she has a boundary walk. Always carrying a book of the boundary, the Peak District boundary walk. Yeah, so that's the green way marker, but there are lots of other way markers. Like you just said, Claire, footpath markers. We are on also the Hadfield and Padfield Heritage Trail right now as well. The Longdendale Trail, which is the old railway line that goes underneath this bridge that we're standing near. Yeah. Just up there. Well. And how far are you going? Oh well, we're we're um, aiming to go towards a coffee shop. That's uh, that's where what we're doing today, just over in Timwhistle, because a coffee shop is an important marking point. I've okay. got to say. Okay. But how was the trail for you? How, did you go all the way down really? to the Woodhead Tunnels? No, no, didn't quite get that far. Next time. So we came along the trails and then we went down by the reservoirs and along the path that runs along the bay by the reservoir and then back up here. Lovely. Five and a half miles we've done. Where have you come from? Uh, where have I come from? Glossop. Okay, so you're local people. We're all local. And you didn't know that this was the Peak District boundary and you got from Glossop. Wow. I didn't know. No. Wow. Not this bit. Funny, well, I don't often venture into Hadfield. It's like the Bermuda Triangle for me. I, I, I always get lost, even with a sat nav in Hadfield. See, and then with the bridge closed right now, even more so. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Hope, thank you very much. We're doing a project called Longdendale Tales, so be oh, sure okay. to have a look. Yes. Right. Well, we better continue over to the other side, the dark side, yeah, as they say. Yeah, See, I'm from Hadfield, so I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be associating with you, really, should I? <laughs> enjoy, enjoy. Right. We're going to go through an old turnstile, and then here a gate which says, "Please close it." Casserole, uh, let you um, close the gate. Put the rope over. Put the rope around. Leave gates as we find them. <laughs> and actually, as we walk through, there's all like blue confetti on the floor of this kind of muddy field. There is here a very clear fence. I do like kind of observing what's different. You can see here as we enter into the Peak District boundary. You know, if you're walking this area, just notice both sides of the roads, rough fields. It is just left. You know brambles left to kind of grow be what it is this seems to be much more kind of managed you know pasture land we normally see sheep in this field for instance there's a clear kind of for me when you actually stop and look how things look different and actually we're going to follow a trail of molehills all the way down as now we can see bottoms reservoir and just a little bit of Vale house reservoir peeking in the distance so like i mean you can see here casa for something like this you know you've got the book here which has brilliant um instructions for the boundary walk it's got things like the maps if you're not someone who's familiar or confident to read an ordnance survey map then this is great because it's got instructions it's got pictures and it's got maps and we are on page 34 35 so yeah as you said before stage four paragraph three we're on and yeah you've got written instructions now this book when it was written in well in the lead up to 2017 launched in 2017 it was a huge volunteer effort so there was a member of staff at CPRE Julie Goff she left and now works for the John Muir Trust but she this was her baby her brainchild and she um, got together a merry band of volunteers. My dad was actually one of them at the time. Um, and lots and lots of different people out walking, wrecking the route, 
writing back in with, well, I think we could go here or we could go there, or if we try and stick to the boundary, we need to go left, but there's an, actually a higher route that gives you nicer views if you go right. So the whole route was devised on that basis with people checking the accessibility of the rights of way along the boundary and then writing their own interpretations and then double checking, and then in some cases triple checking how that translated and, and how that might be well understood by people standing with a guidebook. And you know, it's really interesting as we kind of, you know, put into practice this particular part of stage four, um, because where we're kind of walking now it is following the, on an OS map, it's, it's a pink kind of dotted line, if you've never noticed that on the map. It's a pink dotted line that we're kind of following, but sometimes you'll find as we go around Bottoms Reservoir, we'll be on that pink dotted line and other times we'll be slightly off it. And as we get to kind of towards the main um, valve house gauge basin, the big circular bit that normally has water coming out if you live locally, um, you'll see that we slightly veer off the Peak District boundary. And I think that's kind of quite curious because there'll be many people who come around this area and they will you walk the dog and not even notice you know that that we're on a particular kind of footpath or or boundary and I suppose a big part of what the CPRE does is raising awareness of why you know why we need to protect these green areas that's right yeah so really the 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 roots of CPRE are nearly 100 years ago now um, and what we had in the early 1920s was a bunch of campaigners, people all around the country, but particularly in the Sheffield and Peak District area. So you had Ethel Haythornthwaite, who's a key figure. We might touch on her a little bit yeah. uh, as we go through the walk and talk about things. Um, and what she did, what her um, and her group of contemporaries, campaigners, uh, friends, you know, peers... Uh, was to search out the, the particularly the Peak District boundary uh, in terms of you know what to include, how big an area to cover, you know why would certain landscapes need protecting, and they certainly did need protecting at that time from urban expansion, from road building, from development. You know the pressures then are still the pressures now on the countryside. So the boundary itself wasn't ever devised with a walking route in mind this this wasn't although ethel and her peers were very much um enjoying the countryside and wanting to protect it for that reason for that from that point of view uh, but actually you know this was about a boundary in legislation this was going to be a protected area so why would certain bits be in and certain bits be out which is you know an interesting thing to debate and talk about i'm just casually one-handedly climbing a style and trying not to get caught up in my headphone it's, it's a skill that i perfected i think we're going to go right here you can see a sign here now where it says public footpaths peak and northern footpath society yeah they're the peak and northern footpath society are a great group they're a charity as well they're that's run by volunteers who take on regionally so this is the northern region um, and the, the, sorry, the Peak and Northern region, and they have volunteers who will be out and about monitoring the footpaths, keeping an eye on things, liaising with the relevant authorities to make sure that footpaths and rights of way are accessible, um, keeping an eye on signage, raising money to install this wonderful footpath signage that we have. So we're very lucky. To so have... make sure you notice the signs. Yeah, that's a beautiful one, actually. That's nice. 
So the, the Peak District itself only came into being in 1951, and that was pretty much over about 20 years where things really came to a head. You know, there was a committee formed within the government to finally kind of get something in terms of designating what a national park would be, what its role would be. Um, and a big player who was on that committee was Ethel Haythornthwaite, who fundamentally was the person who founded what has become the campaign to protect Royal England for Peak District and South Yorkshire nearly a hundred years ago. Um, and I've really enjoyed as part of my research of this project, reading and researching about her because it's not very often that you kind of hear about these people who almost in some aspects of history have just kind of been really forgotten. And I love this, the idea of the story of when she was helping kind of campaign for the national parks that she rode on her horse around what has now become the boundary of the Peak District. Her, her horse, I'm sure it was called Bracken. Bracken. Bracken, that's, right. that's it. Yeah. And just imagine this, this lady in, you know, the 1930s or 40s riding around the Peak District going, that one, that one, that one, that one, then went back and her second husband, Handley, was a, a technical planner, so helped her put the map together. And pretty much her on her horse going around the boundary has led to this little kind of walk that we're now doing. If she'd never gone on that ride, um, you know, I've kind of summed up her sh her story very crudely. But I know that there are a lot. There's a lot more about Ethel Haythornwaite, including the Ethel walks, which I have also been doing in my personal time alongside, which is 95 hills or summits around the Peak District, almost like a challenge, um, to really get you kind of exploring not just the major kind of hills that everybody talks about, but some of the slightly left of centre ones. Yeah, that's right. So the Ethels were created recently in, in the last couple of years. Um, and the, Ethel, the Ethel's app is available to download and that is really becoming a popular challenge. So ticking off the Ethel's, you know. We've got many around the reservoirs here, actually. Oh, so right. we've got okay. over at Croydon, we've got um, White Low, we've got Black Hill, which is in the distance. Some people may know the home moss mast that you can see sometimes around here. Uh, we've got uh, Featherbed Moss. Um, Black Chewhead, which is the border for Greater Manchester, and Derbyshire. You've been these off, haven't you? Yeah, Again, and it's a way to get out and see places. You know, a, a destination, a reason to go to a place and have a look and see what's there. Um, you know, not necessarily the most popular places. And I think it's a wonderful tribute to Ethel herself to have her name. You know, Ethel Ready, I think, is was the name of the app originally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but her story, you know, going right back to, to nearly 100 years ago, she was born in the late, very late 19th century. And what happened to Ethel is that she was engaged and then married uh, at a young age to a chap who went off... Um, to fight abroad in the First World War and never returned, which is very sad. So by the it age is. of 22, she was a widow and in grieving and, and her family who were based in Sheffield and she had a sister as well, very worried about Ethel and that was the cure for her grief. This was what they encouraged her to do. She was a fan of getting outdoors and, and being in the countryside, but in her deep grief, that was the, the cure for her. That was what inspired her eventually to, to recover from grief to actually start noticing the pressures and the threats on the countryside back then from development, from transport, from, you know, litter. 
and that was that was where that was where the campaigner was born mm. that she realized she could have an influence in helping to protect these areas to keep them open and more accessible for people and that's really where the national park ideas were born once she was in touch with um a whole load of other people who had the same mind so yeah a really really deep and interesting history i've i have to say it's been one of the highlights of the research in this project is looking for those kind of stories and more so i suppose also looking for where's the women in the history of walking Mm. and you know the poetry and the art in this area Um, By the way, we've just turned left, so we're following the path along Bottoms Reservoir now. Um, The water is not not as still as it usually is today, it's kind of just softly swaying. A lot of people will resonate with Ethel's story because if you look back at the last few years, you know, lockdown encouraged a lot more people to come out and then use the nature. The RSPB, for instance, have been talking about nature prescription. So, you know, the idea of Ethel almost walking while she grieved, you know, there's there's a lot of people who can probably... Mental health is something that a lot of people talk about. And I've got to say, for me, this area has been a real kind of just tonic, I think. Over the last few years, I've really faced some quite tough times personally. And what drew me to Ethel's story originally was that I too was grieving. And so I enjoyed walking the hills and this particular area and trying to think of that approach, you know, and finding a different way. And moving, I think, kind of helps you physically and mentally keep moving forwards because it's easy to get stuck. Um, And that sense, I suppose, with a boundary, like in a more kind of, I don't know, deeper hippie sense that there's a sense of change is coming and transition and that you know you can go left or right past or present and that I think it's just to be out and see you know we can see the the edge of the the boundary it's just over there and you can see there's lots of buildings and houses and it's it's something that just um I don't know it brings you back to the present there's something in that. I mean, you know, with people who were out doing the boundary walks, I imagine, you know, you don't have to be like a serious hiker with all the gear and everything. It could be what we're doing in breaking these stages down to point by point. You don't have to do the whole 20 stages in three days or something crazy. It's making these walks manageable and enjoyable for you. That's it, yeah, although we did have a lady who uh, completed the whole of the Peak District boundary uh, over the August bank holiday weekend, so in three days and I think it was 19 hours, something like that, Catherine, she's part of a running group. Did she sleep? She had some support from um, her partner with with a van who came and met her at certain points and she snatched little bits of sleep. Wow. Uh, but she is now recorded as the fastest female known time for running the Peak District Boundary Walk. This is a challenge that exists within the running community. You know, there are people who devise their own challenges and she cottoned on to the Peak District Boundary Walk. Um, I think previously she had completed visiting all of the trig points across the Peak District. So she became yeah. aware of the boundary walk and she turned it into a boundary run yes. and completed it. You know, wonderful um, blog. She has some stuff online on uh, via the Fastest Known Time website and wonderful photographs, you know, running through rain and, you know, sweat and tears and nighttime, daytime, all the weathers. So, yeah, that was an interesting one. But, you know, we do talk a lot about health and well-being, more and more so. We have done for a long, long time, but, you know, more so 
now people since uh, you know the pandemic very much focusing on getting outdoors getting out of the house when we were finally able to that kind of thing accessing people's local areas more I think people have genuinely discovered a little bit more about what's on their doorstep well and, and hopefully more about I suppose the work that you do too because it's very easy to kind of talk about the legalese of these situations you know another housing development is coming but yes we need more houses a bypass may be happening but people don't want the bypass it's not right we've got to protect the countryside that can sometimes get quite political and yeah very technical but I think as a result of more people kind of walking and looking what's on their doorstep they start to really appreciate those little kind of hidden bits we can lose if we don't really use them and appreciate them and shout about them yeah that's right so there are sometimes byways um, that you are allowed to access you do have um, right of access uh, the right to roam uh, in certain areas which you know they're not always marked as full public rights of way but they're either permissive paths or you have a right of access across that land and you do have to use your eyes um it, it is uh, very much something I think about when I think about CPRE because, you know, the campaigning and the protection of the countryside can sometimes, you know, become a little bit political, small p, big p, um, but in a really sort of non, non-political, you know, non-pejorative way, I think we would all agree that sort of open air, fresh air, access to the outdoors is something that we all have a right to. Um, so in lots of ways, CPRE has been campaigning for that for, for many years. And yes, the technical know-how, the, the ways to work with the development and planning systems in the UK, that's, that's real knowledge. It's difficult work. And, and we are blessed with many, many people, professional people and, you know, volunteers who tackle that work and, you know, keep an eye on things. And, and in a very simple sense, you know, sometimes you're talking about conflicting interests around the countryside so development big business industry versus tourism and and the uh, ability of local residents to access um, you know green spaces in the outdoors but just in the simplest sense that is a right that we're just continuing to campaign for Mm. and books like this help and you know just having good signage and having regular use of places like this the more foot prints you see on the ground for instance is a reassuring sign you know this is a path this is where people walk I can do that too in a really simple way Mm. well you can hear the the water's kind of just if I lean a little bit forward can you hear a bit the water just kind of coming up the banks towards us and they're sounds like are they are they seagulls in the distance gulls yeah they're definitely going pretty crazy now i did speak to a couple of anglers who i saw here the other week whether they have the license to be fishing here or not i cannot say (laughs) however i asked them what fish are here and they were saying all kinds of different things Mm. chub perch the usual pike um But when I was kind of looking at the research into this particular patch, as we look out with bottoms in front of us, in the distance you can start to see the Crowden Quarry, Peaknays of course, and the Woodhead Pass to our left and Timp Whistle there where we're headed. 
Um, you know, back in the day before these reservoirs were here in 1847, this particular patch was just the River Etherow. Uh, the valley was covered in plum trees. Apparently the, there was said to be salmon running through the River Etherow at this stage. Um, yeah, you know, and it's it's kind of just wild to think of this landscape like that, just a small river kind of running down through here. And, you know, in the distance, there would still be mill towns, uh, the Vale House mill town that was there, uh, which was flooded, which we'll get into in, in future episodes. But yeah, and even finding the maps, I mean, the, the people at Tintwistle Parish Council were brilliant in opening their doors to me um, to show me some of the maps that they have. They kept them from being thrown in a skip. They weren't quite sure what to do with them, but they had maps from 1860s which show, you know, the well and a lot of the houses we can see on the banks, they weren't built yet. You know, there was huge kind of gaps and the houses, of course, in Hadfields, um, a lot of those weren't built until the 1890s. So you, you can just really imagine how this landscape has changed just over, you know, the last 200 years. And yet here we are walking the boundary, which was put in place 1951. So it's, mm. I think a lot of people kind of forget as they walk round these routes often, just, you know, if we could transport ourselves back in time, Casa, we could just go, woo, Wouldn't flick our fingers amazing. and be like, here it is in 1950, yeah. here it is in 1900. And, you know, I wonder who would be here. I wonder, would it be kids playing the left of us here? Me and my husband always call this tree roots bit because there's a little wall where you can climb over take a little route back up to the top of Padfield Main Road. This actually is a disused quarry site. Um, mm -hmm. And there's lots of kind of fascinating things. I've been lucky enough to hang out with a moss scientist over here. And uh, he set us a challenge to find five different types of moss. <laughs> I have never looked at moss in my life. <laughs> so all these things are kind of, you know, here. And I will pin on our map at londondaletales.co.uk um, it's a digital map which has lots of little points along the whole of the Londondale reservoirs of points of interest, of poetry, of songs, of pieces of art, of photography, of stories that I've been collecting. You know, I mean, gosh, I could probably put a thousand pins on there for all the stories that people have been sending me. But at the moment, this is just a pilot project. But just at the corner where there's a bench just here, if you need to put your feet up, I actually took part in Hadfield Art Show last year in a, something called a Pro Loco. And the idea of a Pro Loco is that you paint on location. And we had to paint somewhere outdoors within like a four or five hour time period in Hadfield. And I picked the edge of here to paint the view of Bottoms Reservoir. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah, just that whole idea of going back in time, I suppose people were still getting away from those things you would work a long week you would have things to do you know um keep you busy family life work life industry but you would get out and walk and really um you know this might be another uh, whole other subject to explore entirely but thinking about the um mass trespassers 1932 people that were the kinder scout for the kinder mass trespass yeah so people staking a claim making a statement we have the right to these moors. We are Sheffield, we are Manchester. 
you know, these urban areas, people needed the health and well-being benefits of getting out into the hills. So that was really part of the whole, the same movement as well. Um, fighting for access, being allowed eventually access. And then the national parks being created, which give protection to that landscape from encroachment and development. So yeah, all part of that same movement and really still those same pressures today and the same feeling inside when people want to get out and access um, footpaths, networks, places they can get from A to B or do a circular walk, enjoy the views, nature cure. <laughs> I mean, one of the people who was a big voice in the mass trespass um, campaign was Ewan McCall. Um, the singer-songwriter and he wrote a song called The Manchester Rambler and I imagine that many of you listening might have moved from Manchester or maybe travel in from Manchester to come and walk this particular patch and in the second line of his song The Manchester Rambler he does say that he slept up on Crowden you know so he walked through these areas passing through to Bleaklow to Kinder Scout he mentions these places you know that many of us know and that was back in the 1930s so we've put a pin on the map actually um, by Crowden so you can kind of go and listen to that song uh, via um, the YouTube video if you wish to familiarise yourself with this stuff. So I think it's really interesting isn't it that people have kind of been talking about this patch and it's many different geysers over the last 200 years but I suppose what I find interesting is you know, by your book and your boundary walk, it's encouraging people that maybe might normally go over to Bakewell, to Castleton, you know, to come over this way, to come and enjoy this. And, and recognising that the people who come from Manchester um, will also appreciate here too. We're just going to take a right turn. And now this is a really interesting point for people who know this bit. We've got, I think it's called a weir, which kind of follows the the straight line of the water it's like a, a steep embankment and there's a kind of ramp up the side at the other end you'll hear the water rushing down where there's a gauge basin as i mentioned it's a big circular thing where water normally shoots up um, on certain days which is beautiful but we can see here as on the right there is also a little sign that says friends of the peak district boundary walk but interesting if you want to geek out and get excited about an OS map, then you'll realise that actually the pink path of the actual Peak District boundary goes straight on down towards New Road and where the bridge is towards Timpwhistle and up a very steep road called Bank Lane, not necessarily the way that we're walking. But anyway, we're going to... This is the prettier version, I think, and it's away from the road. I guess that's why this little bit kind of goes this way and a really popular place that so many people walk in coming episodes I'm going to be talking to um, Kate Rain from Glossop Heritage Trust and she's going to talk about the fact that all the reservoirs are called different names after local mill owners so the bottoms the side bottoms ah. um, the people who used to uh, run bridge mill and waterside mill to our left um, where, where I say the the new road is and um, the bridge towards Timpwhistle. Uh, amazing, massive fire happened, which pretty much was the end of Bridge Mill, which was a fascinating story I read about. So we'll get into some of the history of the mills and what all these different places were. But see, one of the things that I've really enjoyed 
actually kind of looking at boundaries is I've become an ordnance survey map geek. <laughs> I had never read a map before in my life till about a year and a half ago. I didn't know. To me, it just looked really like kind of quite confusing. But yeah, it's just, you know, once you actually get quite geeky with a map in places like this, it's amazing and the different circular marks and things. So it's almost like when I've kind of seen a walk that I can do or an ethyl, you know, hill, I'm looking further to say, well, what else is there on the way? And I've been really... I think what I like about your particular boundary is that there is no kind of place that you're going to, so like an ethel where you've ticked it off and completed it, mm-hmm. because it's actually, it's a continuous journey. So there's always something different. So you could do all of these stages. I mean, you could do here stage four, like four or five times a year, and it'd be completely different, different times of the day. You know, the moon, um, it normally just appears just to our right and it reflects over the whole of the reservoir on a full moon it's amazing but that idea of your there isn't a place to kind of complete in that sense is an interesting concept yeah, it is and yeah you you're right about the maps they are they're a bit of a code aren't they they're full of symbols they're full of abbreviations and they can be hard to decipher and i think that's why it's so important that on the ground when you're you know when when we're promoting walking or we're, we're hoping people can easily get outdoors that things are accessible you know that things are signposted well um and that there's a balance around that as well so it's not sort of over over signposted but people know that they're going you know on a safe and an accessible route but then yeah so so the boundary walk itself uh, you know the, any walk is more than just what is on the ground and what's underneath your feet. There's all of the things around you, like you've talked about the heritage. We can see all the workings of, you know, where the water flows out of Bottoms Reservoir and all of the industry that would have been around, powered by the water, which is really interesting. So there's lots lots in the book, which gives a bit of added interest for people that do want to, to delve a little bit deeper into, you know, what is around them. But it is about the journey. It is, it's about, you know, they tend to be linear walks. So you're starting in one place, you're moving through a landscape, you're moving through communities and ending up at the end of that walk and then it joins on to somewhere else. So it, it is, it does seem to, you get pulled in, you get a feeling of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going somewhere, this is leading somewhere and what, what can I see along the way? So it is really interesting. That's how I feel. And, and I, you know, we're doing a micro walk today, a very short walk which is great and it's nice to take it at a slower pace as well. Mm. Um, But I already, you know, I've only completed about five stages of the whole walk, but I want to do the rest. Time is a limiting factor, but, you know, it might take me a a year or more, um, probably more. But, you know, I'd I'd like to get around and I'm fortunate to to have the means, you know, to get around and, and explore these areas. But just for me, where I'm from, this is very new to me, this part of the Peak District. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Well, you can start to hear the water now, so you know that we're reaching the valve house, <clears throat> which has um, a wonderful sign on the front of it, which I believe, having seen on many different forums, that it's got like a coat of arms engraved in stone on the front of it, and they believe it's the Manchester Corporation Waterworks coat of arms. So we were trying to work out whose it was and, and it seems to be that is the case. I'll hopefully find that out later on in the series. But not a lot of water coming down today. 
and interestingly I mean it'd be fascinating um, if I get to talk to some of the water engineers in this particular area but I understand that water flows to the left and then we've got the reservoir and there's a balance here that not all of the reservoirs here are for drinking water for Manchester and beyond some of them are actually to replenish the river Etherow as it continues its journey so we'll just head over the other side and gaze over to the gauge basin and you can probably hear it's a bit more water there but it's very quiet here you know normally it can really be you know a hive of activity when it's shooting in the sky the gauge basin you soon know about it we would not be able to have a conversation stood here put it that way yeah it's so loud it's quite peaceful today. so if you do stage four and you're walking past this just have a look take a photo if you see the gauge basin in action so we're going to come to the end of um today's episode and we're finishing right by um some signage um and then our plan is is to go and get the feeling back in our hands by finishing up with a pixies coffee uh, which is at the top of new road so if you are not from this area i highly recommend checking out their cakes had to unfollow them on Instagram because my waistline can't cope with it. It's too dangerous. But we're going to finish at this particular sign. Um, there are signs here. I think just up a little set of steps there is where our path for stage four continues. But here it says the Trans Pennine Trail West, the Pennine Bridleway, um, Trans Pennine West East, Pennine Bridleway. But we're walking through some of the steps there's a zigzaggy path and we'll finish at one of the green circles oh there's a little dog coming towards my face almost uh almost got a cameo where is it oh it's down here sorry we've got to go down a little bit down the little zigzag path which it says in the book we're going to finish hopefully if you're listening you can possibly find this little circle too the fence is slightly just fallen over but there is the green circle which tells you're on the right path which says friends of the peak district boundary walk great stuff slightly fallen fence post there but at least the signage is still there and that's obviously something that is an ongoing challenge for us <laughs> keeping the signage in place helping people find the way on these wonderful little corners of paradise that's how it feels to me today it's great well, it's been great to chat with you, Cassa, and thank you for bringing your book along, for helping us do this little, you know, kind of micro walk and exploring, you know, through different perspective of how we can kind of, you know, many of us are walking through this area all the time, but just knowing that we are walking the boundary and maybe in the future we start to appreciate this through different eyes. Thanks very much, Claire. Yep, hopefully people do have a little bit of an awareness of the National Park and this is a little corner of it that can be explored and you can keep going and going and if you want, you can get on the Pennine Way here, which is really exciting. Yeah. Well, we'll put a, a link to the Boundary Walk on the CPRE website to this episode. Go and explore that. And uh, come and engage with us on longdendaletales.co.uk. Be fascinated to hear your stories. Have a look and engage in some of the archive, the photos of this particular area, uh, and enjoy engaging in some of the amazing stories. I'll be back with more stories tomorrow. Take care.